This is a Cato Special Podcast. I'm Caleb Brown. Is the Obama administration offering the public a false choice on health care reform? U.S. Representative Paul Ryan believes so. He says the choice between a government health plan or no reform at all is the definition of a narrow debate. Ryan gave the keynote address at the Cato Institute's Conference on Healthcare Reform held June 17, 2009. This is the first part of his comments. I'll tell you about some ideas that some of us in Congress are putting out there in health care, but I want to first frame the debate and explain why we put this bill out there that we did put out there. Number one, um, the president and the Democrats are giving the American people a false choice. Uh, the president was in Green Bay just last week with this town hall meeting, watched it intently. And the choice they're saying is either you stick with this status quo and gosh, that's so bad, or you take our plan. Uh, it is either this public plan option with all of its bells and whistles and all of its promises cloaked in the rhetoric of if you like what you've got, you can keep it. We just want more choice and competition. We just want to keep those insurance companies honest or the status quo. There's nothing out there. No one has proposed another thing at all. Uh, that's simply not the case. And that is not the necessary choice that are confronting the American people. There are other things to do and other ways to fix this problem. But first, let me just touch off of what Ed did, which is if we do go down this path of what we call the public policy option, the public choice option, the public plan option, um, that inevitably, mathematically, actuarially becomes the government-run monopoly. I won't go into all of the details. Just go to Lewin. Talk to the actuaries. What happens is when the government is put in this position to compete against the private sector, the government is both the referee and the player in the same game. It's kind of like my seven-year-old daughter's lemonade stand competing against McDonald's. It's a stacked deck. The private sector cannot compete with that. The private sector has to pay taxes. They have to account for their employment and their benefits of their employees. The private sector can't put dictates into the, into the provider network on what they're going to pay. And so when you take a look at the fact that we're saying this public plan option will base its payments off of Medicare with maybe some modest increase, keep in mind that Medicare underpays providers 20 to 30 percent to begin with. So it is simply a question of when, not if. If a public plan option is set in place, it completely displaces the private sector. Now, the one thing about the status quo that's better than this vision is you can fire your insurance company. If the only insurance company you have is the government, you can't fire it. And so we believe that we have to go to the American people with a better way forward. More to the point, uh, the next shoe that's going to drop in this debate is what I call the CBO shoe, the Congressional Budget Office. And we're, I serve as ranking on budget, so we talk to CBO quite constantly, and they're really putting an earnest effort into trying to really honestly score these bills. S sections A through D in Title I of the Kennedy bill cost a trillion dollars. And that trillion dollars buys them uh, insurance from 16 million people. You factor that out, that's about $62,500 per person to insure them through the government system uh, over 10 years. Uh, what, what they're also telling us is tens of millions of people will lose their private health insurance and go into the government plan. And that's just the beginning of the score of a piece of one title of that bill. Uh, HSI, a private actuarial firm, has scored the Kennedy bill as costing $4 trillion over just 10 years. So what we're on the doorstep of doing here is creating a brand new entitlement that's going to rival the likes of Medicare. 
And no matter what kind of what we call pay-for packages cobbled together to, quote-unquote, pay for this in the first 10 years, there is no way, based on the current discussion, the current legislation we're seeing, it's ever going to match the actual cost of this new program. So what I'm saying is we are building into the system. We are creating a new entitlement that will grow out and become a new unfunded liability piled on top of the other unfunded liabilities we have, which according to the GAO, a conservative estimate, already ranks at $62 trillion. And so this, to me, is, is a real huge problem. It is accelerating that tipping point in America where more people are dependent upon the government for their livelihood than they are upon themselves. We already have a little over 40% of Americans who we call negative taxpayers. That's ways and means language, which means people who receive payments in, from the government in excess of their income and payroll taxes. You put everybody up to a system that is a government-run health care, where that is where they get their health care from the government, and I fear you're going to reach this tipping point after which we have become a social welfare state, not unlike what we have in Europe. And what happens when society turns into that is you lose sight of liberty. You lose concern about liberty, and you're more concerned about security, economic security and other forms of security. And what happens when you become a social welfare state is society stagnates. Standards of living go down. Creativity, innovation, achievement, production, risk, those things wash away. And you have high unemployment. We don't want to go down that path. So healthcare, this issue is so much more than just do you have insurance? Do you have access to medical care? It is more than that issue. It is a moral issue. It is an issue about what is the role of the federal government in this, the 21st century? Which pathway and which trajectory is America going to go down? Are we going to stick with the American ideal of equalizing opportunity, of, of protecting our individual natural rights, or are we going to replace that vision and stick with a new vision of a European social welfare state? where the goal of government is more to equalize the results of people's lives rather than to equalize people's access to opportunity. Let's get to health care. We believe you can fix this problem not by pushing the market out, but by bringing the market in. And one of the reasons why health care is, is not doing so well right now, meaning one of the reasons why health inflation is so high, one of the reasons why there are so many distortions in health care, one of the reasons why millions of Americans don't have access to affordable health insurance is because we've displaced those basic fundamental tenets of a free market. What are those tenets? Number one, transparency on price, transparency on quality, and an incentive to act on those things. You don't know what things cost. You don't know who's good and who's bad. And even if you knew such things, be forced by your insurance company or HMO or the government on where and who you got to go to to get your care. So we don't want to pick a model which says the government will ultimately be the single payer. And it is right. Under that model, you can contain costs. I talk to Peter Orzak about this stuff all the time. We know the president is sincere in saying his goal is to bend the curve and reduce costs in the long run over these entitlements and throughout health care. The only way one can do that on their plan is to ration care. The Institute of Comparative Effectiveness, this new bureaucracy created in the stimulus package, is the bureaucracy through which through which you actually end up rationing care. Telling providers, doctors and physicians, that we enlightened bureaucrats will tell you how best to achieve efficiencies, how best to deliver care in America, but the only way to quantifiably lower costs, get the $38 trillion unfunded liability in Medicare to go away, is to limit people's access to health care. That's not America, that's not who we are. It offends 
our sense of individual rights of freedom, liberty, and choice. And so can you fix this problem without going down that path? My answer is yes. And that is exactly what Congressman Devin Nunes, Senator Richard Burr, and Tom Coburn and I are attempting to do by putting out this Patient's Choice Act. Patient's Choice Act, I will give you, I won't go into the great details of it. I'd be happy to answer that in questions because I want to be mindful of your time. It does a number of things. Number one, let's recognize this tax distortion that exists. The tax distortion, as Ed discussed, is what helped give rise to this third-party payment system. It's what helped give rise to this system that sort of took the individual out of the game, that took the consumer out of the game. And we want to equalize the tax treatment so we get the individual back in the game. We want the individual to be at least as powerful as these other systems we have in healthcare. And so we're not saying, like some Democrats are saying, tax healthcare benefits and send the money to the government so we can build a new system and, and have new mandates and a new public plan option. We're saying, let's equalize the tax treatment. Let's take this tax benefit and delink it from the job and reattach it to the worker so that everybody, regardless of how you get your health insurance, gets this tax benefit. Now, the way we do it, different than every other bill that has tried to do this, is the tax benefits, the exclusion that individuals get, goes back to the taxpayer. We do not use that exclusion money to pay for non-taxpayers, such as refundable tax credits. So the tax money they, they get right now by having deductibility, if they have employer-sponsored health insurance, goes to them in the form of a tax credit. $5,700 for families, $2,300 for individuals. The numbers we are looking at right now internally show us that that's on average an $1,100 tax cut for families. This will be, on, for the vast, vast majority of Americans, a big tax cut. More to the point, you keep this benefit regardless of what happens to you. You keep your job, you change your job, you lose your job, you go work for yourself, the tax benefit stays with you, it's portable. For the refundable population, we, we do entitlement reform. We come up with savings, we reduce spending, and we use that spending reduction to pay for the fact that these tax credits are also advanceable and refundable. So people who do not have tax liabilities also have these kinds of tax credits. U.S. Representative Paul Ryan is from Wisconsin. You can listen to or watch other speakers from the conference held June 17, 2009 at our website, healthcare.cato.org.